Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. You know that little like heat map that sometimes comes out in like January? It's like the unicorns of last year in the yeah. sector. Man, the last one that came out, the unicorn area for AI, it was like one third of the whole image. It's almost like the internet boom a little bit again. Yep. So there's going to be a lot of companies that come in and a lot that wash out. I mean, we, there's so many of these companies that I'm just trying to think of off the top of my head that 10 years ago, you say AI, it kind of could leave a sour taste in people's mouth because they think like, I don't understand that. That doesn't yep. make sense. Fast forward to today. There's no now, no, no. Now it's almost like, oh, you're not using it. Okay, maybe you're behind. You're, maybe your company's not as forward thinking yep. as I want to be. Yep. It's turned that corner of early adopters. Yeah. And is moving towards a much healthier user base of it being a default necessity for companies and for customers. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. As always, your host, Matty A, my co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. What it do? What's up, y'all? We, of course, always cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance to help you on your wealth-building journey to a million and beyond. Don't forget to check out MillionaireMindcast.com, the store, all the great resources, tools, and products that we have available for all of our wealth builders. And of course, if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, hit that subscribe button. Feel free to take 90 seconds, leave a review if you enjoy what we share. And of course, don't forget to take advantage of your free financial x-ray. Mr. Breedwell and his amazing team will go through with a fine-tooth comb your entire investment portfolio. Make sure that it is one performing the way that you want it to. That I think the biggest thing most people see and find is the fees that they are getting overcharged. And then Ryan and his team can do a performance kind of projection around what the, at least from your findings, could be an optimized potential plan going forward. That's free of charge for a million of my cast fam. All you got to do, text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. And if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list yet to get access to syndication investment offerings before they go out, um, you can text the word deals to 844-447-1555. That being said, last week, big talks, 
around all things debt ceiling. We're going to get a recap on that and what we think is going to take place this week. We had another unicorn hit the stock market. One trillion in market cap. We're going to get your thoughts and take on that and how that ties into what you talked about would be a potential accelerant, some gasoline to the fire of the stock market going forward and some of these big companies and how that may have just happened on this particular stock. We're also going to talk about some of the other AI stocks and which ones are performing well right now and that you guys are paying attention to. And of course, real estate updates for you guys here on what's going on in the market. So first and foremost, let's just get out of the way. What has transpired with the debt ceiling talk? We even saw, I think, your girl, AOC, said she wanted to do away with the debt ceiling too that we just need to get rid of that bad boy. There's been a lot of back and forth on both sides of the aisle. A lot of, hey, we're too far apart. We're not getting this done. But it sounds like over the weekend, some progress was made. What went down? What are you guys seeing out there? And how is it tying into the market? So essentially, they came to an agreement to then send to Congress and the Senate to get passed. Um, So what essentially is happening right now is the... Uh, Republicans and Democrats from both sides of the House and the Senate are going back and forth and saying, okay, does this look like what we want? Does this look like what we want? There's going to be constituents on both sides to say, oh, this is crap, as we were talking about earlier. The main things in my uh, view were that there's a spending limit reached and there's it's agreed upon for two years. It's a debt ceiling increase for two years, so we don't have to deal with this next year at the same time. We can go two full years into a new uh, administration, hopefully, um, and then they can decide on their debt ceiling at that time. And like I said, capping spending means like less money to areas that d- doesn't need to go, having to make adjustments and tighten the belt in areas where it's a little bit too loose. So I think it's overall a good bill. Are there things in there that are not great? Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be things in any bill that's not perfect because bills don't get to be 100% one way or the other. Um, what needs to happen is I think by... Really, by tomorrow or Thursday, I think they have to. I think it has to be voted on by the Senate either Wednesday night or Thursday morning in order to be able to hit the June 5th limit. I think, don't quote me on that, but I think. And um, then we can put this in the rearview mirror. And I think, like I was telling you last week, we could have a potential um, nice catalyst for the market. Now, the thing that's moving the market that's kind of worrying me mostly right now is just mainly tech names. And I think we're going to get into that here in just a bit. But it's not so sexy when you look at the equal weight S&P versus like the market cap weighted S&P right now. What if... Because there there has been some chatter around certain GOP, you know, not completely happy with the new debt ceiling kind of talks that have been going on. Mm-hmm. What if they don't get it passed through in an according timeline, is that going to bleed into the market in a big way, in a, in a little way? What are your thoughts around if they don't get something done by, let's say, tomorrow? Um, I don't know if it would be that quick. But if they don't get something done by the end of the week, I think we're going to see that in Friday's market. Um, and then we would see it in the futures market carrying through the weekend. There really ultimately needs to be something done um, here pretty soon because the thing that we're risking is a lot of people don't know this kind of happened in 2011 uh, as well. Um, and we're really risking a credit rating 
decreased as well. Uh, Moody's and Fitch have the U.S. Treasury, essentially the United States' credit rating at AAA. But the um, Standards and Poor's lowered the rating from AAA to AA plus in 2011 because we got so close to missing a debt obligation. And Standard and Poor's was, I believe, interviewed today or yesterday. Today, yeah. And they said, you know, the closer we get to that, the closer we are in downgrading the US credit rating again because they're getting, you know, uh, they're a multi trillion dollar company getting, you know, seven days away from running out of cash. That's not high, high credit worthiness. Yep. So, um, that is something that we're really risking right now by pushing it. I think what the, the Republicans are trying to do is make a point that there needs to be more bipartisanship, but the way that they're doing it and the timing of it may not be the best. Um, and like I said, this is why politics always kind of gets muddy because even if your team is, is the one trying to push for the, the right thing, it still can come out like, like a verbal vomit, like nothing good. Um, so right now, I'm pretty certain that tomorrow or Thursday morning, they're going to announce an agreement. I think this, like most of the politicians are like there almost all night. Some maybe even sleeping in their office. This is like when you have to work in politics, right? Yep. Um, but I, I just don't see them not getting it done. I think they're going to take it right up to the line, just like they did when I was texting you. I said, they got to do it tonight or tomorrow. Mm -hmm. When I said that on Friday, yep. and ended up being on Saturday, I think they're going to take it right to the line again. Yep. And, and just to make a point, but I just don't think there's a time and a place to make points. And sometimes if you push the line, um, your opposition feels that they need to push the line even further. And and that's not that doesn't create amicability in the future for anybody. It divides it further and further. So again, I know what's going on in the politics realm, the the jousting, but I I'd really prefer it not just to come at the expense of people's investment accounts or investments or make it make people weary. Um, because the market honestly, technically, from a technical standpoint, minus some some inflation data, um, that's still a little sticky, it's looking pretty dang good. It's looking really good. I mean, the um, NASDAQ is up like 33% year to date. You don't just buy the 100% of the NASDAQ or 100% of the stocks in the NASDAQ, but that's really helping people's portfolio. And you can see the disparagement between higher beta technology names and then like the S&P 500 market cap, which I think is up like 8 to 10% somewhere year to date. Mm -hmm. that, that's almost a 3x spread between the two indexes. Yep. And I, I think it, it goes to what we were saying kind of last week. We have a lot more of a drive now. People are starting to be more comfortable putting their money to work in higher beta names, higher beta, higher risk. And those are generally right now technology stocks. And I think the technology stocks that people are looking at are the AI, indirect AI plays. Kind of yeah. like two years ago, it was yeah. the Bitcoin. How yeah. do I play into Bitcoin or indirectly play into Bitcoin? Right. MicroStrategy or Square or what have you. You're going to probably start seeing that... Um, Work around, especially with institutions that are that are not necessarily knowing where to put the money to work at yep. with funds, and kind of just shotgunning it right now, buying everything. Yeah, it seems like AI is picking up a lot more steam. The conversations that we're seeing and hearing more frequently around AI, almost being it, it was kind of like a oh that's that's cool, that's sexy, that's a nice to have as a part of your company. 
to where now in some of these larger tech-based organizations, NVIDIA is a perfect example, which we'll, we'll tie into it, but really having some IP and some infrastructure that is heavily weighted around AI and how that is now almost like seems like it's made its way onto the, the buy sheet that there's a big box there now that almost has to be checked. In addition to obviously a lot of the other variables that make up for a great, you know, kind of growth-based tech company, right? Yeah. But now we're starting to see, and NVIDIA is a perfect example of, and I want you to break down your thoughts on NVIDIA here in a second, but another example of, right, a, a, a good, strong technology-based company mm-hmm. that now is really weaving in a very big part of its DNA around AI. Yeah. I mean, if you pulled... Like you can go pull your investment account and look when we bought it because me I had to buy it a day or so. You you always get it before me mm-hmm. um, by law. <laughs> but I think since we when we got Nvidia, it was kind of on the downfall yeah, last was, year. Yep, I didn't necessarily get in at the bottom. Rarely do I because it's almost it's just like impossible to hit it. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But we got it in the low one hundreds, one twenties, one thirties. It's trading at 410, 412 today, paying a measly dividend, but something. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, I think the hard part with NVIDIA or companies like NVIDIA right now are you want to own it, but then you go look at the technical sheet, the balance sheet on it. And there's a lot of big, glaring red flags that if things aren't what we anticipate them to be, these would have been the telltale signs that you made a wrong choice. Yep. Trading at 200 times earnings. Um, that's just insane. Um, not that I haven't known companies that did that. I mean, y'all heard me last year. I rode, and I'm still riding my Twilio uh, crackhead train. And I've been riding, just averaging my positions down. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard to say, okay, yeah. I'm going to go buy a company that's trading at nine, you know, has a $998 billion market cap. So almost a trillion dollar company. Let's talk about the other eight companies that did that before then. Yeah, because this, this is the Micro- ninth one to cut, cross that trillion dollar threshold. And just for before you share that a little, uh, we, where would we be without our man, Jim Cramer? On September, oh, 19, I know. September 19th, 2022. Jim Cramer said to short NVIDIA, calling it a major loser. It is now up over 200% since he said that. Now, to his his defense, which I don't normally defend Jimmy, um, if you would have shorted it then, you would have made a lot of money as long as you closed your position out somewhere in January or February of this year. Holding it now, you would obviously look like an idiot holding that short position still because you'd be upside down and paying a premium to hold that position and probably be closed out anyway. So unless it was like a leaps contract. Um, but yeah, Jim Cramer, he's always hilarious because he's, he's so... He just needs to tell people like, you know, he's a real long-term investor. Like he doesn't even care about anything in the short term. He's like, buy it if I like it kind of deal. Yeah. And he's got enough money in his charitable trust to do that. I'm a little bit more pit, you know, nitpicky on some of the stuff that I buy. Uh, we lose money as well on some of the stuff we buy, but a lot of the stuff that we buy uh, makes money. So to me, 
I think you want to check the box of owning NVIDIA. I just think everybody can agree that with 2020 hindsight, they would have wished they would have owned NVIDIA. And this goes back to the principles of before we say it, before the people that we heard it from say it. You have to, that's why dollar cost averaging on a monthly basis is very important because then it allows you to buy pieces of the pie of what's important over a one year, two year, three year period. And then you have exposure to all these names. Then you've been buying NVIDIA. You're buying it at 200. You're buying it at 150. You're buying it at 98. You're buying it at 110. You have all these ranges. And here it is at $400 a day. You're in the money in all your you know, purchase spots. Yep. You also want to have it because they're an indirect and direct AI play at the same time. They have um, direct ideas of doing AI. I don't think they've done them yet, but they have, they've, they've made the notion that they're going to get into an AI supercomputer. They're going to make AI-specific uh, programming. But they also have a hardware component to them. Yep. And that is where kind of Apple... You know, they had the App Store. So they're making money on the App Store. But they had a hardware component to put the App Store on. And you needed apps from the App Store to run on that hardware. So they're selling hardware, making a really big profit there. Then they're making money in software off of the sales from you know 30% of the sales in the App Store. That is a balance that you like to see, a software and a hardware combination. Now, and, and let's throw one more kicker in there. They're a US-based chip, uh, chip company. Right. They would be a US-based chip Which maker. is huge. Massive. They're the biggest one. They'd be the biggest one. IBM would be number two. And IBM has, has uh, longevity over them and experience. Um, but NVIDIA has a more forward-thinking mentality. They're, they're more of a newer age company. New kid on the block doing yeah. some sexy stuff yep. with a good track record of what they've already done. Yeah. They, I, think, I think what a lot of people get caught up in is they compare them to AMD. And I do too as well. But you have to compare them to AMD only on the hardware side. Because they do make graphics cards and chips and things like that. But they're much more than that. And AMD is more so kind of in that lane. I think AMD is trying to see NVIDIA and say, what, how do we do that as well? So I wouldn't be surprised if you see AMD get into that space. They have like $123 or $200 billion market cap. Huge company still, but mm-hmm. nowhere near where NVIDIA is. Um, but they're mainly a hardware player. So I think the reason that you hit, you know, you get an Apple, you know, hits a trillion and here we are today, they're at almost a $3 trillion market cap. Holy crap. They held it, hit a new market, hit a new milestone too, and they keep going higher. I think a lot of people are looking for NVIDIA to be that. And I don't know if they will. Give us your honest thoughts. I don't think, I don't think that there's a, there's a, another person though that I could say right now that could be. So there, you know, it's almost like they have the potential to be, but there's a lot of people that could come up and dark horse them. Mm-hmm. AMD could do it. Especially um, with the AI now. And C3 just the AI. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, GPT, Qualcomm. Yep. Those, those it, are three of the top performing, at least as we were looking up, kind of some of the fastest growing AI stocks. NVIDIA, C3 AI, Qualcomm. You know, as you said, those, those are... Those are the ones Already that we're talking on the about. Map. Yeah, like, there's so it's still so early in this race that it feels like with how exponentially quick, you know, AI can really change the landscape of things. I mean, there there could be multiple unicorns that come out of this AI. I mean, there will be, but this AI boom, there's many that we're not even thinking about or talking about right now that are innovating right now. They just 
haven't been discovered yet. You know that little like heat map that sometimes comes out in like January? It's like the unicorns of last year in the yeah. sector. Man, the last one that came out, the the unicorn area for AI, it was like one third of the whole image. So I just it's almost like the internet boom a little bit again. Yep. So there's gonna be a lot of companies that come in and a lot that wash out. Um but we have a couple companies like you were saying. Oh, Palantir. Mm-hmm. Palantir. Yeah. I mean, we, there's so many of these companies that I'm just trying to think of off the top of my head that, you know, 10 years ago, you say AI, it kind of could leave a sour taste in people's mouth because they think like, you know, oh, you're using, you know, I don't understand that. That doesn't yep. make sense. Fast forward to today. There's no now, in No, no. Now it's almost like, oh, you're not using it. Okay. Maybe you're behind. You're, maybe your company is not as forward thinking yep. as I want to be. Yep. It's it's turned that corner of early adopters, yeah, and is moving towards a much healthier user base of it being a default necessity for companies and for customers. The opposite, I would argue, trajectory that kind of crypto had. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Because they're both about the same length of time they've been relevant or they've been talked about, except one is regulated accepted, people understand it, it's not kind of obscure. The other one continues to go through regulatory woes, mm-hmm. um, ups and downs, still illegitimacy. How does it, how does, people still don't know how it works. Yep. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first. 50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So something to keep in mind because that's it's a good I just because something is new doesn't mean that it will be relevant, nor does it mean that it's good. Um a lot of new things are excellent to try out and then be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then be failures. But you should go into it with the anticipation of this is brand new. What, how can this improve the current system? AI doesn't try to do anything different. It does what? It enhances what we're already doing. Yep. And I've said from the beginning, that's almost always more of a palatable 
um, approach. If, if you go to any sales training at all, new is scary. But if you can have an addition, if you can enhance, not new, enhance somehow with your sale or your product or your item, that's a lot easier, softer approach to people versus doing something brand new. So I think that the AI approach, not only it is completely new, it really is its own blank white slate, yeah. but it's attaching itself in a, in a form of how can I help your business be more successful? How can I make you a more... How can I take things off your plate that are taking time away from you? Yeah. How can I, I being AI, automate your processes? Not how can I replace your government's currency? Yeah. It's definitely a more synergistic Correct. vertical that really complements the stock market versus something that competes against it. And I think entrepreneurs as well. 100%. Yeah. Because like people like, that are even younger than us will learn how to use this much more effectively at a younger age mm-hmm. and then apply it in ways we've never even thought about. Right. So that, that is where, <laughs> excuse me, I see the, the AI trajectory being somewhat important and long-term successful is because people still don't know. I mean, think about when cell phones came out. Yeah. Think about when laptops came out. I mean, they just how do you use them? You know, can, whoever thought about combining a computer and a phone, it genius. Just, yeah, now just, this is pretty much a computer in our in my pocket. Yep. So I just don't know how. I know it's going to help, and I know it's going to hurt some industries. But at the same time, I think when it from when it takes away from one thing, it'll add something at the same time. Yeah, like especially with how innovative of a of a space it is and what it creates like you know some of the best inventions on planet earth have come in times of need or in times of or an in, accident innov- yeah or an accident <laughs> or innovation and yeah. so i feel like this has a lot that domain of ai has a lot of you know freedom and functionality obviously you know good always comes bad and there's going to be regulation and they're already you know having collective conversations around it that being said, I think some massive opportunity and upside is going to be <laughs> captured for those that are really looking at how AI is being integrated with certain teams and, and business models that is going to really benefit individuals that are thinking long-term and, and playing long-term with some of these companies. That being said, just to wrap up on NVIDIA, is, is that $1 trillion market cap warranted in your opinion? Or... Is there more going on to that stock? Is it gonna? Is that the ceiling? And they just made it their new floor, and they're gonna be climbing, kind of like you know, Apple did from one to three. Or are we gonna see some slippage? And will they ever get back to that one trillion market cap? In your opinion? So when a stock moves up like that fast, there's obviously some um, some shorting happening. I don't want to call that. I think I told you like that was a super high quality short squeeze. Yeah. Uh, but not. I, I don't want to say that to the effect that I meant it with like AMC or anything like that, to where it was just all, you know, hot, hot air in the sales. NVIDIA is a quality company that I think that everybody should highly consider taking a look at. It's it's hard when things move up that fast, that quickly, to not have people that take profit or yep. get out of a stock. Which I they've was, already had, right? They've already had a decent amount of people take profit in. The one that shocked me the most was one of the founders of the company. Sold 40 mil? 
100% of his stake. Oh, he sold 100% of his stake? All of it. Okay. So he's completely out of it. That's something that doesn't mean it's not foreshadowing. Anything. I think he had held his stock since, since 1994. 94. Okay. So yeah, it was back in the 90s. So he's like, he man, sold, I've been grinding he got, for this for so long. He went through the dot com bust in 2008, COVID, and now. Yeah. That is something, you know, you would say that if somebody had that much insight and then knew the company was going to still get bigger from there, they might only sell half their position. Right. It's still fine. Or, or you know, I don't know that person's personal situation. Um, that's just something to keep in mind. I also think a lot of people get caught up in the sexy name or, hey, this is up, you know, from XYZ to this now. And, you know, maybe I should have held it. Maybe I should have bought it. Maybe I should have sold it. You want to buy everything. You know, you want, you know, look at your portfolio. Uh, what are we? 31, 30, if you exclude cash. Yep. We have 30 different individual holdings in there. That is 30 different opportunities to be that, that one that you, right. which yep. is a lot better than saying, I'm going to buy NVIDIA. I'm just going to keep buying NVIDIA because NVIDIA is sexy and I like them and blah, blah, blah. That's like people that got obsessed with Apple or Microsoft mm-hmm. or things like that. You don't want to pinhole yourself. You just don't want to pinhole yourself into one thing. Same with real estate, same with really anything in life. So again, I love NVIDIA, but I think that you can diversify and say, I'm going to go with NVIDIA as my hardware software. I'm going to go with C3 AI as my SaaS. I'm going to go uh, uh, service and software sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Qualcomm as my hardware heavy play. I'm going to go with Palantir as kind of a speculative... Well, I don't, I don't even know what to call yeah, that. Everybody does. Buying <laughs> gold. I mean, shoot. Uh, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, And you don't have to have your whole portfolio be that. You want to have other things as well. People are still going to use communication services. So that's the technology sector. People are still going to use um, uh, streaming services. I think Netflix just surpassed again Disney in market cap. So we're starting to get back into the market territory that we want to be in. So the, the window is closing on, uh, I don't want to say to get into the market and then you have to wait again, but on the opportunity to get in when it's not just kind of a rising, a constantly rising bull market. We should be near the end of the uh, sideways moving market towards a nice rebound. Um, I just saw a ton of people readjust on their AI, on the um, their end of the year price targets for the S&P because of AI. Yep. Because of NVIDIA's, because of it, of all these companies. Yeah, like I think it's a new stock filter, you know, descriptive point, right? Is yeah. like, do they have AI involved in their business model? And a lot of savvy investors, smart money are paying very much so attention to much what more. the AI component of some of these companies looks like going forward. With inflation coming in a little stickier still, I saw this last week economic forecast prepared by the staff for the May FOMC meeting continued to assume that the effects of the expected further tightening and bank credit conditions amid already tight financial conditions would lead to a mild recession starting later this year, followed by a moderately paced recovery. Real GDP was projected to decelerate over the next two quarters before declining modestly in both fourth quarter of this year and the first quarter of next year. What are you guys seeing? Is this narrative coming out of one of the uh, Fed committees mm-hmm. in line with what you're seeing the market 
react as? Are they going to raise rates again? Are they going to start getting a little more dovish? So I think I told you I got to ride my donkey until it falls off the hill. <laughs> um, I think they're going to pause. Um, I still think they're going to pause. And it's because if you look at what's called, um, I don't know if we even used the terminology before, like what's called trueflation data, like inflation data that's actually live and current, it's decelerating quite quickly. The problem is that that is not what the Fed uses whatsoever. They use backwards looking data. So if we look at that, if you look at headline, which I'm not going to, I'm not going to switch on anybody, but if you look at headline, headlines coming down everywhere, but core is sticky and high mm-hmm. everywhere, everywhere as well. So everywhere where the headline is going down, core is still sticky. So it's taking some that tells us the stuff that was pushing the market higher and or the CPI uh, data higher and higher in the past is now coming down quickly. But the stuff that wasn't pushing it up or nor holding it down and was kind of moving in, in locks up or wherever it went, it's still stuck kind of up there and it needs to catch up. So um, I hope the Fed has that view at their May meeting so that they do pause in June. Because I do think if you... If you say, well, what does that mean? And you lined it up with the trueflation data diving so hard. And if it keeps diving hard, um, that would make a lot of sense for them to pause. I'm on, we're recording this on Tuesday, but Wednesday and, or excuse me, Thursday and Friday of this week are huge non farm payrolls, unemployment, uh, jobs report. Uh, I think they're expecting around 200, 300,000 new jobs. So, you know, that's going to be big for the jolts. Um, there's, there's a ton of stuff that's going to come out just even this week that's going to influence that. But I think, I really think the Fed needs to take a, no pun intended, a pause and look and then maybe just let things kind of ride out a little bit. They can still hike. I've heard some people say pause and then hike. But I think once they switch trajectory, it's going to be hard for them to pivot back. It feels like this last quarter has been that pendulum kind of starting to swing back. The data publicly hasn't caught up yet. But as you start seeing the data looking backwards... Eggs. It is starting to catch up though, right? Like it, It does feel like... I mean, one of the biggest things that's, you know, propping up inflation is a lot of what we've seen in the housing market and Correct. a lot of what we've, data, yeah. and a lot of what we've seen in the housing market month over month over this last quarter has really started to swing back in that direction you've got inventory levels this last few weeks have continued to rise this last week inventory was up 2.1% week over week you've got mortgage demand which is obviously a big part of, hey, supply is still low, but if demand is really starting to wane as well, we're seeing an overall slowing of the real estate market, at least on the single family side. That fell 30% year over year on mortgage demand as rates top 7%. I think as of today, the 30-year mortgage rate in the US was 7.14%. As high as seven and a half with you, the APR. Depending on what, yeah, what kind of product you're getting. So you're starting to see, right, that cost of money really start to slow. Well, because I think for a lot of, I'm talking to a lot of people and, and they're just going, for how much my mortgage payment would be, I can actually rent a really nice house, way more probably, either house or apartment. For a fraction of that cost, 
And it's really getting people to think, maybe now is not the right time. And I don't blame them because it's really challenging right now to find something that really pencils out when your mortgage payment is double or two and a half Mine x would that be more than double looking seven to you know uh, nine months uh, back right so it's one of those things imagine. where i think you're seeing a lot of that demand slow you're oh. seeing inventory start to creep up nothing crazy but again starting to trend in a direction that is starting to level the playing field a little bit and you're really starting to see home prices soften a tiny bit yep and I, I Case Shiller, right? Case Shiller month over month. And the other thing I think is happening too that will eventually catch up to it, the bond market, the yields in the bond market are starting to come down, which it which is good because that will help interest rates overall come down when those yields come down because the spreads can get a lot you can make more money on a smaller amount of yield. The spreads will get a lot tighter. Uh, excuse me, wider on a smaller uh, yield. So you have things working in the direction of everything. And the thing I was going to point out that you said earlier, the inventory is rising in a seasonably uh, busy time for the real estate market. I think that the people are hearing or not hearing, they're doing math. Hey, you know, we could wait maybe a year or two years and rent. And maybe we rent in this city for a year and this city for a year before we pick one, before we buy our house. Because I just... Yeah, the dynamics are different yeah. for sure. Yeah, because it's just hard to. It's hard. I mean, I'm. I would be paying well over ten thousand dollars a month for my mortgage for right. the impounded. If if I bought at the current. Well, and when you look at the cost of capital and what, let's say your mortgage rate goes up, let's say double. A year ago, you know, to today, right? Rates practically doubled. I would take double my mortgage rate over the rate you just said. And and a lot of people are gone. I just I don't think it's it, it makes sense to do that anymore. And then at the same time, right, you got a lot of sellers that are going, well, even if I do sell my house and cash in on equity, I'm gonna have to now go and get a new mortgage Buy unless house. I'm paying, you know, cash, which not everyone is doing that. And the cost of doing that is going, man, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense to either sell my house. So you're seeing a lot of restriction on inventory for people that are like, these economic levers are not making sense right now. Let me just pause. Let yep. me just let them figure this out. And so that's ultimately what the Fed is trying to do right now. And I think, mind you, they're doing a relatively good job. But I think a lot of people would say they could have done a lot better in a lot of areas. Sure. And there's still a lot of work to be done. But things are trending in the right direction. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah, no. And, and, and on both sides, the stock market and bond market are starting to look better. And um, I think the real estate market is also starting to cool, which is a, is a thumbs up sign, not like a cool to a being negative. The more it cools, the more inventory can catch up. The less people have to say, you know, the, the market's going to crash. They can start seeing inventory start to rise and not freak out just it's it's gonna it's catching up to three years ago now yeah so yeah and i think there is going to be again some interesting opportunities that present themselves on the single family side but probably not as um large of uh, a pool of those opportunities but they're they're trickling out where i think we're starting to see some more and more challenges come up i mean the golden child through the pandemic which was multifamily real estate, 
is I know of a lot of different groups and organizations. Um, if you're in multifamily or in development right now, those are the two hardest in that in office um, that are all getting hit the hardest by what has gone on from an economic kind of macro perspective. Mm -hmm. Rising interest rates double, that'll kill a pro forma, that'll kill right margins. The, of course, debt markets completely tightening up and lowering their loan to values and drastically, you know, spiking their rates to borrow kills or makes deals very challenging. On the same side, you know, when you've got people who are getting debt locked in on three, five or seven year adjustable rate mortgages, and, you know, their pro formas were completely turned upside down and worst case scenario, and then some has happened for them. A lot of people are getting hit and are facing a lot of challenges with these types of dynamics right now. So one, if you're in those deals and you can be a little bit more patient and weather the storm in your timeline, your horizon just gets extended a little bit, it's the same thing like on the stock market, right? Yep. You don't want to sell out when it's the worst possible time. Nope. You want to ride... On as long as it's quality, yeah. As long as you possibly can, right? Unless you're really pulling the ripcord and saying, I'll take as much loss as I need to as long as I can get a little tiny bit of money back. That's, that's a different scenario. But if you're saying, hey, I'm in this for the long haul and we just got to weather this storm and you got a good you know, sailor who knows how to you know, navigate those choppy waters, right? Then that's a different scenario. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that aren't in those scenarios that shouldn't have done those deals and are now facing some real challenges. And that's going to create some real opportunities for other investors, small and big. So I'm already starting to see some of that distress trickle out into different opportunities. So with that being said, um, where do you think we're going to see the Fed come out with a pivot on rates heading into the tail end of 2023? And cut? Yeah. Uh, probably uh, um, either in September or October. That's what I think. Yeah. Make, making that claim. Yep. Yeah. I, I think I've been, I've been pretty, I've been on that since January. Yep. Right, or even maybe in late 2022. I think they're going to cut towards the end of the year. It's going to, I want it to be three times, but I think it's going to be two or three times. Um, I'm still in the camp that they're going to pause at the next meeting. I've been guessing the whole time. So, you know, everybody guesses, they, you know, especially me. I'm guessing months sometimes in advance. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure they're going to pause and that would be a good sign for the market and a good sign for everybody as a whole. Well, and you and I talk a lot about obviously some of the short term implications of the debt ceiling of this policy or this happening or not happening and how that impacts the stock market, right? But at the end of the day, our mentality, our approach is always long-term holds. Well, yeah. And all the stuff that you sent me by all these people and stuff, I mean, none of it's happened. Yep. Peter Thiel has been batting zero. It's like my favorite person to pitch to. Just no hits, all swings and misses. Um, gold's back down quite a bit, a um, couple percent since uh, it went on its run. So yeah, it's it's it's... It's better to buy quality, hold long term, and hopefully, if you have growth and income from your real estate and your stocks, they they work hand in hand with each other. Well, and that's why I love when you and I, when you do those financial X rays that Ryan and his team do. He he kind of alluded to it on a on a 
small portion of the episode today, which was, you know, when you're talking about your investment portfolio, there's many sub buckets in that portfolio. And within those buckets, there are many little potential investments or companies that you're betting on in there, right? And so how you can take that holistic approach to more aggressive, to conservative, to longer, to shorter, right? And really building that out is what Ryan and his team do in there. And of course, just making sure that you know, you're allocated and you're really aligned with the stepping stones of your financial plan and when you really want to hit those achievements because that's something that, you know, really makes a difference when it comes to how aggressive and or conservative you want to be when it comes to those investments. So if you haven't taken advantage of the free financial x-ray, x-ray to 844-447-1555 will get you connected with Ryan and his amazing team. And you know, we will continue to keep you guys posted on all things stocks, real estate, and personal finance to help you on your March 2 million and beyond. Don't forget to check out millionermindcast.com for all the resources and products we have available for you guys. Until next week's episode, we're going to be out in Mexico. Hola. We're going to be probably drinking margaritas while we record our next week's episode. So that might be a little fun one for you guys. Um, But thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a review. And we'll see you guys on next week's show. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really in most cases, overcharged, and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word deals to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last Don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.